This APTA podcast is brought to you by the McKenzie Method of Mechanical Diagnosis and Therapy. As patients turn to PT first, be on the forefront with a diagnostic process that is logical, efficient, and cost-effective. The McKenzie Method of Mechanical Diagnosis and Therapy puts patients first. Find a course in your area at mckenzieinstituteusa.org. This is an APTA podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Bellamy coming to you from CSM 2019 in Washington, D.C., and I'm joined by APTA's Vice President Matt Hyland. Matt, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Jason. So uh, we've been talking about a lot of cool things this week, and yesterday I was sitting with APTA's President Sharon Dunn talking about the strategic plan. Today, uh, separate but also important, uh, APTA's 2019 and 2020 public policy priorities were just released. So I want to talk about what they are. I want to talk about how they're used. But first, I want to talk about how they came to be. And to do that, we need to talk about PPAC. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of APTA members, even a lot of APTA members who are uh, big-time advocates for the profession, probably haven't heard of PPAC or know what it is. So, so what does PPAC stand for, and what is that group, and then how does that relate to this document? Right. So uh, PPAC is the Public Policy and Advocacy Committee. Uh, it's a 14-member committee, standing committee. They're here to serve the board of directors and give recommendations to the board of directors on public policy priorities, identifying issues and trends that are out there societally that we may need to be addressing. Uh, three members of the 14 are uh, board members. The vice president serves as chair, which is, which is my role at the moment. Uh, and the other 11 are appointed through the board of directors. So they play a very important role in, in achieving our vision and looking outward and, and trying to advance our priorities in society. And they help with things just like this document. So yesterday when I talked to Sharon about the strategic plan, I said, you know, is the strategic plan all of APTA's to-do list? And she said, of course not. It's just what we're prioritizing. Again, that's exactly what the public policy priorities document is. Yeah, and what's really exciting is the evolution over the last four years when we passed our new vision in 2013. That was a dramatic shift and change in, in the direction of our association. And then this year that was further supported with our new mission statement, uh, which is now very parallel with the vision. The strategic plan is the next iteration of a necessary document that gets supported by this, and then a very dynamic, exciting budget to tie it all together to create funding uh, in a direction that we're trying to go. Our, our public policy priorities are the next step in, in a very natural way to say, okay, now how do we try to move towards the strategic plan, envision our mission, and, and strive towards our vision? So it's a very important document to help guide us. Yep. So uh, there, there are a couple buckets, basically, I'll say. So there's a population health bucket. Uh, there's sort of a patient choice and access bucket, a value-based care and practice, and then research and innovation. So I'm going to talk about the things that just set you up to give, me, give people a little bit more detail about what those things mean. So APTA's public policy priorities, the goals over these next two years, the first one is to enact policies that empower people to live healthy and independent lives. What does that look like from a policy perspective? I think one of the things that's very important in the new public priorities, uh, public policy agenda is that there are four main themes. In the past, we've had a lot of buckets or ideas, and, and it's tough to advance and move a lot of things with, with laser focus. So I think w- one of the main highlights is that we've streamlined with these four, as you call them, buckets or, or agendas. Sure. The first of which is the the population health arena, which is really geared towards our vision. Uh, Housed within that are some examples, one of which is guaranteeing access to essential health benefits. This is a great example of how 
the Board of Directors responds and works with the House of Delegates. This was actually a motion out of this year's House of Delegates, and that's found its way very appropriately into the public uh, policy agenda moving forward. Other areas of this include supporting programs to increase physical activity and exercise among individuals of all ages, critical again to our mission and our vision, advancing efforts to create and sustain healthy communities and promote the use of active transportation. Again, a House motion a couple of years ago that has started to find its way into what our vision is and what our future can be. And, and I find that very exciting to look outwardly and, and collectively and collaboratively with other partners and not just looking at ourselves. So the second area uh, is, is in that patient choice and access area. And the, and the public policy goal is to eliminate barriers to health care services. What does that I mean? That's so broad. What are examples within that? Yeah, and improving the health of society by reducing barriers to care is a, is a very important thing. Uh, again, it speaks to the alignment of our documents and what we've been doing over the last three years and brings real life to stuff that is, starts on paper and then is, is realized through the actualization of, of uh, implementation. So in patient choice, we're talking about things such as expanding the definition of primary care services to provide physical therapists, which is a very important step in increasing care for all populations, expanding opportunities and public programs for direct access to physical therapy services, again, reducing barriers to finding care at the right place at the right time. Uh, and then, you know, exciting things such as increasing transparency to patients regarding costs in healthcare services and conflicts of interest. And increasing transparency for patients is, is an element that will increase access. It also improves the health of society and removes barriers to care. So very important. So then the third leg we'll kind of go to here, I've called them buckets, I've called them legs, we'll, we'll just go with a bunch of different terms, it is that value-based care and practice area. And that's supporting efforts to increase efficiencies in the delivery of health services to reduce administrative burdens to providers and ensure transparency to patients. Administrative burden is such a big thing we hear from PTs all the time. You know, I want to be able to treat people. I, I want to be doing that. That's why I got into this profession. Again, what are the, some of the examples in this area? And, and one important part of uh, the public policy agenda that I, I may have failed to touch on at the beginning, these are really our advocacy areas. These are where we're going to be going out into uh, federal legislators, whether it's in the White House or Congress, and try to make change in these areas. It's also areas that we're going to be supporting our components, our chapters and sections, and trying to help them achieve the goals as well. So it's really an advocacy uh, right. arm, even though we're talking about legs and buckets. But uh, <laughs> in value-based care, you know, advancing policies that reduce administrative burden is critical. Uh, uh, in the House of Delegates a couple of years ago, we talked about, you know, ameliorating administrative burden, and, and we're seeing that now, and we're starting to see some initial research coming out, and there's even been presentations here uh, at CSM uh, regarding administrative burden, and it's a, it's a critical element because it, it creates so much additional time to our caregivers, and it's being taken away from patients. So if we can put our therapists and our physicians and our, you know, uh, pharmacologists back in a position to do what they do best, which is take care of patients, you know, we're going to be doing a very positive, having a very positive impact on society. Absolutely. And so the, the last area we'll get to is that research and innovation area. And so we're talking about prioritizing research and clinical innovation to increase access to appropriate value-based healthcare services. And this brings us right back to, again, you know, so how are we doing that? We're, we're talking about urging Congress and administration to the, the administration to make change. And so what are some of the examples of how they can make change there? 
And this may be one of the more exciting uh, of the themes that we're talking about. Uh, the other ones are very natural and, and they, they kind of generic, you know, found their way because it is our vision and our mission. Uh, this is a this is a very new, you know, view for us, a new a new perspective for us to take. And uh, this one is not only an advocacy arm, but also includes things like partnerships, partnerships with the VA, and in, in trying to prove the health of society, looking at falls risks, you know, and, and one of the more exciting areas, uh, you know, is trying to create a stronger interoperability of the electronic uh, medical record, supporting the use of the physical. Physical Therapy Outcomes Registry, and you know, registry in, in, in its terms is a data collection portal. But if then you can extract that data and breathe life into it and show how it impacts outcomes uh, through research, that's fantastic. And then that's a little bit of some of the presentations we've heard here at CSM and the platforms yesterday, and it is a, a very needed and exciting step in the next couple of years. So you know, as you mentioned again, this is. APTA's sort of charge, where to prioritize, doesn't mean it's the only thing that APTA advocates on. You know, if, if people don't know, APTA has uh, advocacy staff who are on Capitol Hill every, every week of the year, you know, trying to affect change, um, in regulatory offices trying to affect change. This helps prioritize some of those board things and try and get resources to those. For the average member who wants to make a difference in this area, you know, what can they do? How, how is this document meaningful for them? And what can they do to make it, in, in a big way or a small way, make an impact on trying to get some wins here? Yeah, small ways. Just saying, you know, I want to step up and, and be part of this, and and that's that's a, a needed and a very exciting step. Uh, reach out to their local district leaders to say, how can I be involved? Uh, reach out to APTA. I mean, we're all here with open arms to help guide you. Whether it's visiting, you know, a, a local legislator at their home, uh, whether it's coming here to federal advocacy forum, which is a little bit bigger lift, uh, but there's always a way to get involved. And in some of it, you know, in the research innovation. You know, it's, it, it could be within your own, your own area of practice, whether it's in your hospital system, your school system, your private practice. You know, there are things that can be done to improve access to care and, and improve the health of society as we strive for our vision and our mission. And that's a great point. We're here in the nation's capital, but you can make an advocacy difference wherever you are. In fact, wherever you are, that may be the most important place to engage with your member of Congress or whomever to try and get uh, the changes we need to make. So, Matt, thanks for taking the time to us this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. So you can find the public policy operators on APTA's website, and uh, we're going to be doing more uh, dispatches like this from CSM. I'm Jason Bellamy, and I'll catch you later. This is an APTA podcast.